Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes, Season 5, Episode 6. My name's Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And uh, this, uh, this season we're doing a special Best Horror Movies of the 20th Century Countdown. Indeed, yes. So we're doing three and movies per podcast until we get... Have we decided it's going to be the top five... Well, um, yeah. I think that well, it's going to be the top six if it's the well. No, we haven't. Basically, we haven't decided. <laughs> this one's going to be three. We haven't decided, but this one's going to be three. Yeah. Uh, uh, so last time we completed the first half of the countdown. Uh, yeah. So we're in, we're now into the um, we're out of the somewhat stable teens, and we're into the unruly teens. Is that what the is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. We're uh, we're, we're starting. Uh, at number 15 today. Right, so the, is that when you're unruly? Ages uh, yeah. 13 to 15? You do remember being a teenager, right? Yeah, I just think I was more unruly later. Later. Okay, yeah, I think I probably was as well, yeah, when I was at college. Right. I was quite unruly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's nobody listening to this podcast who can um, who can confirm or deny that, so I could pretty much say anything I wanted. <laughs> There's nobody who listens to this podcast. At all. Which means means it's difficult to confirm or deny anything. Although, that's not true. We do know we have some listeners. We have more than one. Yeah, we definitely have well, more than we one. We have, have, have one. We have one. Yeah. Uh, so, shall we um, shall we recap what we've done so far with your one-word summing I'm up? Gonna, I'm going to try and do one-word reviews, but I'm not feeling very well. Okay. And it, it didn't go very well last time when I was feeling fine. It might be worse today, then. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so at number 30, we had Gremlins. <laughs> Uh, commercial number twenty nine. We had near dark. Um, RT number twenty eight. We had altered states. Hold on, was that the one that was RT? Uh, you said that was pretentious. Oh, pretentious. Time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number twenty seven. Hellraiser. Um, famous. Yes. Uh, twenty six. The Blair Witch Project. Um. What's the word I'm looking for? Innovative, like, um, I think. For, yeah, I don't, yeah, but I don't want that. Yeah. I'll oh, take okay. your mind. You, didn't, you contested that last time. Yes, um, I didn't like it. <laughs> it felt real. How do I say that? Um, authentic. 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 Yeah. Uh, 25, Jacob's Ladder. Creepy. Yeah. 24, Nosferatu. Uh, classic. Yeah. 23, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Influential. I'm, st- I'm sticking with that. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, 22, The Wicker Man. Uh, terrifying. N- number 21, Carrie. Um, it's all right. Okay. Uh, number 20, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Um, uh, relatable. Yeah. Really? What? How many cannibals do you know? <laughs> I felt I felt more of a connection <laughs> yeah, to okay. the, um, That's fair. the police lady. To be number fair. 19, Audition. Uh, extreme. Yep. Uh, number 18, Ring. Um, uh, fresh. Number 17, Psycho. Um, uh, art. Hmm. Number 16, The Fly. Hilarious. And yet, and yet gross. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the fly. So now, now everything that happens now 
uh, in this countdown has to beat the uh, has to pass the better than psycho test and more entertaining than the fly test. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, maybe not both of those. It has to pass at least one of those. I think it has to pass at least one of those. And when we're saying better than Psycho, mm-hmm. you know, Psycho, I think, uh, is still a classic movie. But as I said on last week's podcast, I'm not a fan of Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, Psycho is in the list because it has to be, I think. I, th- I don't think you could have a top twenty horror, top 30 horror movies of the 20th century if Psycho wasn't on the list. Well, hang on, but who says who? Because isn't this your list? This yes, your it's list. my list, and I think it should be there. Right, but um, you don't like it. I don't like it all that much, but I think it should be there. Because I think you know, the thing uh, I think about Hitchcock, Hitchcock. Yeah, the thing I think about Hitchcock is, given whenever I watch a film like that, I expect to be bored, and Hitchcock films generally surprise yeah. me by being less boring, less boring than, than, than you think. That be. should be on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> Good less boring. Andy, a. <laughs> it was less boring than I thought it would be. Less boring than I, th- than I was expecting, <laughs> yeah. having already seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're going to kick off number 15. Hmm. Dive- I wouldn't call The Wicker Man boring, though, and it's not from that long after that. No, no, The era. Wicker Man is fantastic. Um, so, uh, so, that's okay. Uh, so, we're so doing 15 to 13 this 15 week. 15 to 13 this week. Uh, we've got quite an eclectic group this week, actually. That's how I like them. Um, so at number 15, this is a movie from all the way back in 1997. Am I going to guess? You I'm might. You, you might. Um, <clears throat> it's a science fiction horror film from 1997. Um, hmm. 97. I yeah. think it's going to be that one I don't like that you like. It probably is going to be one. It it has a spinny. It has a spinny thing. Yes, it does. Yes. Uh, I can't remember its name. It's the one I don't like. (laughs) Yes, this is going to be good. Fear of Controversy. All right. So this is Event Horizon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So this is the film that I said people will either say, "Why is this on the list?" Which is going to be you, Uh Uh um, or they'll say, "I'm so glad it's on the list because I love it." Oh, cool. You need to explain it to me then. I think I've only seen it once. Okay. Uh, I went to see this at the cinema when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and I've seen it several times, probably probably more times than I should have done since then, um, and continued to enjoy it even then. So um, it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who hasn't made a great deal of note, it has to be said. Um, I think this is probably his best movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, Jason Isaacs, uh, Sean Pertwee. And it's set in 2047, which now doesn't seem very far away. No. Um, (laughs) Apart from that, we'll be in full environmental collapse. Yes. And it follows a crew of astronauts sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship, the event horizon of the title, spontaneously... supposed to clap clap when they mention the title. Uh, Yes. Hooray. Uh, spontaneously appears in orbit around Neptune. Uh Uh, Searching the ship for signs of life, the rescue crew learns that the event horizon was responsible for testing an experiment, experimental engine that opened a rift in the space time continuum. Uh, So this ship, and I think its drive, were invented by Sam Neill's character, who is a who is a member of the rescue party that's been sent there? Well, not rescue, maybe sort of investigative party. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because although there doesn't seem to be anybody alive on the ship, the ship is showing massive signs of life, which is very, okay. very strange. Um, mm-hmm. So this is uh, hugely derivative. Um, yep. It's basically a haunted house movie in space. Yeah, and it just copies like Alien and... It does, like yeah, it does all of those things. It's massively derivative, but I found it to be hugely entertaining. Um, I think mostly for the cast, which I think is very good. Yeah, they're all doing good work here. Um, Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill in particular, selling the material really well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I really love the design of the, sh- of the event horizon itself, which uses... Uh, sort of gothic architecture, both in the exterior and the interior of the ship, uh, which is unsettling and strange. Um, And also in its use of um, uh, fast cutting uh, to scenes of um, absolute horror during the film. It's a human-made ship, right? Yes. Yes, it's a human-made ship. Um, What they discover... Why is it creepy architecture then? Um, well, because they've decided to make it look look creepy. Okay. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, okay, so it's derivative and it doesn't make sense. Uh, well, it does make it does make sense. The plot it does make some kind of sense. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, when they get on board, they they uh, recover part of the ship's log, uh, in which they hear. The captain saying the phrase "liberate me," <laughs> which uh, Jason Isaacs says, "Well, I speak Latin, mm-hmm. and um, or of course I, he does. I can translate it, and uh, I think that means save me." Mm-hmm. Um, however, I can, I can speak Latin. However, mm-hmm. uh, later on in the film, they start to recover more fragments from the recording. And they recover the phrase "liberate tutte me exiferis," which means "save yourself from hell." Uh, in fact, Jason Isaacs div- delivers that line with relish in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> ferris does ferris mean hell? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exiferis from hell. Oh, I guess it means the fire. I guess so. Yeah. So, I so what know. they uh, what they then start to figure out is that the ship has been to another dimension rather than rather than uh, moving fast uh, rapidly through space in a wormhole mm-hmm. of its own creation mm-hmm. it's gone to another dimension and sam neil uh, seems to have a connection to it mm-hmm. and there's a very operatic ending with lots of body horror and um fire in space which is actually rendered very nicely mm. um I don't remember much about the plot or anything. I just remember okay. being really bored. I would say that you should you should check this out again, um, mm. because uh, it's it's probably a lot better than you remember it being. Um, so uh, yeah, it's on the list. I'm sure it'll annoy people that it's on the list. I'm sure that other people, will, as I said, will be like, "Yeah, I'm glad that's on the list. It's a good movie." So, so what was the reception to it? Did most people? Okay, think? so interestingly, it um, uh, it had quite a large budget, but mm-hmm. Paramount um, they rushed the production because they they realised that Titanic wasn't going to be ready for the um, 
the summer release schedule. Mm-hmm. So they pushed up Event Horizon. They forced the director to cut loads of footage from it to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so it didn't do very well at the box office. It had a budget of 60 million. It took 20, 26.7. So it was a box office flop. But it did very well on uh, video. Uh, so well that Paramount approached Anderson and said, look, can we um, restore the footage that we asked you to cut from it? Mm-hmm. But when they went to look for it, they found that it was all gone. Maybe it had gone Oops. to another dimension. So <laughs> so, um, so that restored uh, version, you know, the running time is a lean 96 minutes. Um, Anderson's original cut was 130 minutes, which probably would have made more sense than the finished movie. Um, but I think even in its form that we have now, I think it's still a really solid, um, you know, sci-fi chiller, I'd say. Right. Yeah. I wonder whether, yeah, I wonder whether I just didn't understand what was going on. Maybe. I didn't, Maybe. I didn't feel at all. I think, um, you know, up by it. I'm not asking you to sort of approach it in a certain way, but I say that, if, but if you approach it in terms of it being like a pulpy sci-fi horror, then mm-hmm. that's what it's delivering. You know, okay. it is derivative, uh, but it knows what it is. You know, it's not trying to do anything particularly new, but I think the design work and the atmosphere of it is very effective. Um, hence why it's on the list. Right. Yeah. Well, that's definitely the one that I would most strongly remove from the list so far. What, not Gremlins? Oh yeah, it's mu- I would definitely much rather have Gremlins than Event Horizon. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Gremlins is entertaining. Yeah, Event Horizon is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't remember it very well, but I really remember it being... I guess it looked like it was going to be something I would like. It's the kind of thing I would like. And then yeah. I remember being quite disappointed. I mean, it probably has the lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes of anything that I've talked about thus far. Uh, 26%. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, that hurts. I mean, I don't think any professional critics really liked it very much, but mm-hmm. um, Chris Thank Hewitt... Thank goodness we've got you. Yeah, uh, Chris Hewitt from Empire Magazine absolutely loves this movie. Really? Yeah. Uh, quotes it regularly on the Empire podcast. I don't understand how it can... Yeah. ...have such divided reaction. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, yeah. Because most films that have a divided reaction, you, you can see why, because they, you know, offend someone or, you know, something. Yeah, like I don't that. think any, any, there's anything offensive about it. I think it's just a movie yeah. that you either like or you, you know, it, but it did develop a cult following, you know, so much mm-hmm. so that Paramount wanted to recut it, but they couldn't. Right. Yeah. Listener, you need to get in touch and let us know which side of this fence you're on. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Maybe maybe rewatch it and let us know what it was like. Yeah, I think it's worth a look. I think it's definitely Paul W.S. Anderson's best movie. Now you've heard Andy C. tell you it's good, it's going to completely change your perception of it when you watch it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Okay, so the question, well, the question I have is, why does it belong on this list? Because it's my list. <laughs> And it deserves to be there because I don't think enough people have seen it and appreciated it for what well, it what's is. What's good about it? What is it? What is what is it that's good about it that makes it worthy of being on the list? It's a really effective sci-fi horror movie. Mm-hmm. So scary. Oh yeah, or... it's scary. Okay. It's bloody. It's got some very strange stuff going on. I think I think the effects are excellent. 
these are quite early um, sort of CGI effects in this movie, and they're very good. They're a lot better it. than the CGI in Alien Resurrect. Yeah, Alien Four, which are, which is terrible. <laughs> oh well, you mean at the end? Oh yeah, the stuff with oh. no, the stuff with the when they they have CGI aliens in that movie, and they are just awful. Mm. Really awful. I mean, that whole movie's a mess anyway. Well, why? Oh, oh, don't do them CGI. No, don't. Um, Just don't. Have a man in a suit. It's much better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I seem to remember it cutting away to that spinny thing spinning around. And, yes. And feeling like that had no relation to the rest of the film. Well, that's the core. That's where the, yeah. that's where the drive is held. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's a spinny thing with spikes all over it. But I mean, it, when it cut away to it, it felt like it, I was just—it was cutting into a different film and then back in. You know what I mean? Well, like it didn't yeah, feel yeah. connected. Okay, but uh, you know, when the weird stuff starts happening on the ship, that thing starts spinning, and uh, uh-huh. the two things are related. That's, yeah, that's it didn't feel there. related. Okay, well, that's maybe because they lost loads of footage and they had to just, you know, assemble play something. That same that might clip work. over and over. Yeah, play it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. There's also a very nice shot. That's in an interesting of, story um, that goes with it. There's a nice shot of explosive decompression. Right. That's very effective. I um I thought of a good joke that I could say um in the middle, but I missed my chance to say it. Oh, you could do it now anyway. Okay. Oh, Titanic. Yeah, I hear the production of that movie was a real car crash. <laughs> That's the sound of tumbleweed. So the next film on our list is number 14. It is. Yes, I'm just looking at the list now. Number 14. What film is that? uh, Let's have a look. So number 14 is from all the way back in 1981. Okay, 1981, right. Yes. I'd say like the 80s are probably the time when I started watching horror movies on home video. Because I was definitely too young mm-hmm. to be watching them in the cinema. Are you going to give me any clues? I am. It's a horror comedy film. Is it The Evil Dead? It is not The Evil Dead. I think oh. this is a bit early for The Evil Dead, actually. Okay. 81. Okay. Okay. Do you want to it's have a another? It's a bit too low for The Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, is it A Nightmare on Elm Street? It is not. This is a horror comedy, remember? Oh, yeah, you said that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I give up. Okay, it's an American werewolf in London. Ah, oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's a great film. It's a great film. Yeah. Um, written and directed by John Landis and starring David Norton, Jenny Agatha and Griffin Dunn. And the film tells the story of two American students, David and Jack, who are attacked by a werewolf, although they don't know it's a werewolf, uh, while on the backpacking holiday in England. And when Jack is killed and David is taken to hospital in London the ghostly apparition of his deceased friend informs him that he will transform into werewolf at the next full moon. Hmm. Uh, so this was a joint British and American production. Filming took place in London, Surrey and Wales. I think Wales must double up for Yorkshire. Right. Um, which is where which is where the film begins. And it's a classic, like, teenage... Like, in, in some ways, the the horror aspect is... It's a sideshow to the kind of teenage, what it's like to be a teenager. Story. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, but there's also some other weird stuff going on in the movie with, um, uh, like, uh, 
werewolf SS guards. He he has these weird dreams of. Do you remember this in the movie? No. He has this these weird dreams of um, like Nazi guards with werewolf masks attacking his family. It's really messed up. Oh wow! Yeah, really messed up. Um, so the film was released by Universal Pictures in 1981, the same year as werewolf movie The Howling and Wolfen. So the two movies that were sort of um, well, The Howling was definitely a werewolf picture. Mm-hmm. Wolfen isn't really a werewolf picture. Uh, it was a cr- critical and commercial success, winning the 1981 Saturn Award for Best Horror Film and the Academy Award for Best Makeup. It's highly entertaining. It is highly entertaining, but also um, it treads that, I think I've said this on, maybe not on this podcast, maybe I've said this on this podcast, the phrase, it treads a fine line between two genres. And yeah, I'm sure you've used that phrase before. I'm sure I have, and delivers on both counts massively. So mm-hmm. it's funny, mm-hmm. and it's horrific, and scary. Mm-hmm. It manages all of those things, and it juggles, keeps all of those um, plates spinning at the same time. Um, and it's a teen romance as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it spawned a sequel called yeah, An American right, Werewolf in Paris, which I have not seen. All right. I think it's all right. I could yeah. be wrong. Okay. It's basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, what, An American Werewolf in London? Yeah, it's like teen drama that's funny and scary. I guess so. Yeah, although there's no protagonist um, killing werewolves. This does have a tragic no. ending. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was uh, reminded the other day, I think, I can't remember what we were listening, listening to the radio at home, and the song Blue Moon came on, the doo-wop song from the 1950s mm-hmm. or 60s. And I said, oh, well, American Werewolf in London finishes with this song. Uh, over the sound of a woman crying and it's just the juxtaposition of <laughs> this really grim ending uh, because uh, you know no spo- shall I spoil it I mean it's a fair yeah, it's a it's a, a spoilerific podcast so yeah he transforms into a werewolf he runs amok in the west end of London and then is shot by the police in an alleyway um and as Jenny Agatha who plays the love interest is crying over his corpse the song blue moon starts and it's it's just glorious. It's um, it's almost as good as the end of the Evil Dead, which plays out with like ragtime piano music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost as good. <laughs> so it had a budget of five point eight million, which is tiny if you consider the effects in this movie are groundbreaking. Mm. And it took sixty two million, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah, it was very successful and it has that feel of being fairly homemade, doesn't it? Yeah, although the first time... um, I'm trying to think now what the music that plays over his first transformation. uh, So it lulls you into thinking something's going to happen. It plays um, Bad Moon Rising by Credence uh, when he's sort of moping around Jenny Agatha's apartment, watching TV, drinking milk, you know... And then he goes to the fridge, he gets a carton of milk out of the fridge, and then he slams it on the floor and tears his clothes off and says, I'm burning up. And that's when he transforms. And I think it plays Blue Moon, but the slow Blue Moon um, right. over the transformation. And that transformation is incredible. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I'm just remembering now. Yeah, that that must be what it got its Oscar for. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. So the... the uh, um, Slightly reminiscent of The Fly. Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, but it's all done in physical effects. It's all done with um, prosthetics and mm. animatronics. Uh, no CGI involved here. Uh, and that's what makes it so effective. Yeah. Um uh, so yeah, it's uh, and and throughout the movie, uh, Griffin Dunn, who plays his friend who got killed on the moors by the werewolf, um, he appears to him in an ever dishevelled appearance. You know, he's slowly rotting away, um, <laughs> saying things like, "Do you know what it's like to be dead, David? It sucks. Everybody's so boring." I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's I definitely need to watch it again. I've probably only seen it once. Oh, you should definitely watch it again. It's fantastic. Yeah. A little um, little trivia fact. So at the end of the film, um, uh, they couldn't get permission, because they didn't have much of a budget, they couldn't get permission to close off Piccadilly Circus to shoot the final thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they... Um, they basically went round and round with the camera crew, just shooting the same bit over and over again. Uh, so that's why it seems kind of kinetic and messed up. Uh, oh, you mean to get shots where there aren't people in the background? Yes, or, exactly. Or... Yeah. So, okay, so okay. they couldn't close it. So they just had a camera crew in a car going round and round Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and the. Um, there's a, a scene in um, an adult cinema. I think that adult cinema no longer exists. Uh, but they but they actually shot for real in there. But obviously not when people were in there. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they did close it for that. But um, yeah, another trivia fact there. So that cinema, which is quite near an office where you and I used to work, I think, is somewhere in that area. Because mm-hmm. we were quite quite close to Piccadilly Circus, um, that's mm-hmm. now closed and probably been redeveloped mm-hmm. as something else. Um, so yeah, fantastic movie. So uh, why does it deserve? What is it about it that puts it on this list? It's utterly brilliant. Um, you know, it's another. Uh, you know, John Landis would go on to make, or maybe had already made. I can't remember what order they were made in. The Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. which is another sort of um, melding of genres. And another film that thoroughly succeeds in being what it is. Yes, I love The Blues Brothers. I think it's utterly brilliant. I mean, the soundtrack alone is worth yeah. everything. You know, I listen to that soundtrack quite a lot, uh, mainly for the musicianship on it. It's just incredible. I like the car chasers. Yeah, the car chasers are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. that's my comment about American Werewolf in London that it, it it just totally succeeds in what it's trying to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's not a weak it's link in it. It's, ent- it's thoroughly entertaining, utterly brilliant. And scary. Yeah, yeah. And moving. So that's why it's there. Yeah. Cool. That was fourteen. That's number last 14. one for tonight. Yes. Number thirteen. This is the last of the teens tonight. Mm. Um. Uh, it's, so, I, it's, yeah. it's appropriate that um, American Wealth in London, which is um, arguably about like the process of puberty and your body changing, mm. was um, was in one of the teenage numbers. Yes, I think that is that is appropriate. Yeah, 
Uh, so this is a movie that was released in 1999. So, um, late 90s. Okay. It's an American supernatural horror film. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, nothing's coming to me. Okay. It's The Sixth Sense. Ah, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. So this is one that, that actually I put in here. Um, I was reminded about how great The Sixth Sense is and how it it bears repeat viewing, mm-hmm. but also that it's a very effective horror movie. Do you know the story about The Sixth Sense and me? No, no, no. Please tell. So I was... Um, uh, so The Sixth Sense famously contains a major twist. Yes. Uh and so I was watching it for the first time with my wife. I don't know whether she was my wife then or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, at at the critical moment, my wife just turned to me and went, "Oh, I know what happens." <laughs> and it and, and then so did I. And then I totally, I so I never got the watch of it without knowing the twist. Oh wow! Okay. I only watched I only watched it already knowing because she'd pointed it out to me, which obviously I would never spot anything. So. If it was just me watching, that wouldn't have happened. But would you have pointed it out to someone as well? Or would you have kept it to yourself? <laughs> probably. Yeah, if I actually noticed. Yeah, probably. I think I would have kept it to myself <laughs> until the end and said, I got the twist. Did you get the twist? Yeah, you should uh, You should write it on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there is, there is a massive twist to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think we can spoil. I think we can spoil it now. Yeah, it's been out for long enough. I think people have probably seen it many times because uh, it does bear repeat viewing because once you know the twist it's fun to go back and look at it and see where the tells are yeah because you can't you can't believe the twist when you no if you get there because you're like well what about that scene what about that scene but then you watch it back and it works yeah exactly so uh the plot is that Malcolm actually I'll talk about who's in it first um so uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who we've talked about on this podcast before, quite a few times, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. uh, the film tells the story of Cole Sear, played by Haley Joel Osment. Whatever happened to him? Um, I know. A troubled, isolated boy who is able to see and talk to the dead. And an equally troubled child psychologist named Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis, who tries to help him. So the film established Shyamalan as a writer and director and introduced the cinema, uh, the cinematic public to his traits, most notably his affinity for surprise endings. Not, I would say not mm-hmm. always effective surprise endings. Uh, but I no, think, I mean, yeah. Sixth Sense is really different from a lot of his other films. Yeah, it's much more yeah. mainstream. It definitely is, yeah. Uh, I think probably until the one he made most recently, not the one that's in production now, but... Um, uh, the one that we talked about on this podcast, Split, mm-hmm. which is a very, very good horror movie indeed. Um, I like, um, yeah. I like Unbreakable. Oh, Unbreakable is terrific. Yeah. So Unbreakable was the follow-up to The Sixth Sense. Also stars Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was probably Bruce Willis's most um, uh, successful phase of his career. Right. Uh, so you know he had the Die Hard, you know the Die Hard movies, and then he kind of took his 
foot off the pedal a bit and decided to do, I think, better stuff. Probably the best stuff that he's done, uh, including stuff like Pulp Fiction, was which was a bit earlier than this. Uh, but I think Over, yeah, overrated. Yeah, I know you don't like Pulp Fiction, do you? Well, I do like it. I think it, it's overrated. It's better than Reservoir Dogs. It's nothing like as good as Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> it's much better. <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so the film was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. Oh, Tony Collette is in it as well. She's terrific. She's terrific in everything. Um, What's she been in? Oh, so many things. I mean, honestly, she's, she's like a stalwart actress who's been in so much stuff. I mean, I watched a movie with her in uh, just last weekend. Uh, not last weekend, the weekend before. Hereditary, which is a new horror movie. Now oh, that looks a bit exorcistish. Yeah, it's not really. Is it not? Okay. No, but it is very effective. I mean, it's actually, I found myself being freaked out by it quite a lot since I watched it. So, oh, cool. although oh. it's not very exorcisty, it has had the same kind of effect on me that The Exorcist did when I was a teenager right. in terms of scaring the pants off me. And making me think about stuff as well. I mean, it's it's not The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were people saying when Hereditary came out, it's this generation's The Exorcist. Um, when I was but on is my it really not. Well, when I was on my radio show, I said, "Look, this generation's The Exorcist is still The Exorcist. So if you haven't seen it, why haven't you <laughs> Preach seen it, it, Granddad? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oi, um, if you haven't seen it, why haven't you seen it?" Get out and watch it because it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that yeah, I think I saw that that one phrase review and thought, oh, maybe I should give that a look. No, you should give it a look. Hereditary is very good. Right, right, it's right. very, very good. It's very. Speaking creepy. of being freaked out, yes. Um, Sixth Sense freaked me out a lot more than I felt it should because, in a way, it's it's not it's not trying that hard to freak you out. It's more trying to be poignant or something like that. Yeah, but um, mm. Ghost. Ghost stuff. Oh, it's really very good. Scares me. Yeah, the ghost stuff is very, very effective in it. And the ghosts uh, are scary. Yeah, ghosts and dead bodies—they they really scare me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff. Um. Uh. So yes, had a budget of forty million. Took mm-hmm. six hundred and seventy-two, which is incredible. Ouch. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge. I think a lot of that was due to return business. So people went back like two or three times to see it to see if they could unpick the story. So um, we're going to spoil it. We're going to spoil it now. Go on then. So just I just interject for a story. Yes, go on. I realized I realized how old I was the other day when I told a number of my colleagues that I went to see The Matrix four times at the cinema. Wow! And they all looked at me as like, "What? The Matrix came out at the cinema? Are you kidding?" (laughs) Because they're all young. They're like. They're like yeah, they're like larvae. Come on. Yeah. The Matrix came out. Yeah, in I went 99. to see it four times at the cinema. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I didn't see the Matrix at the cinema. Uh, I saw it four times. But I wish I had. I saw the Matrix Reloaded at the cinema. Oh. Uh, and actually enjoyed no. enjoyed the bits no. that I liked, but I wasn't. It no. was notable for having no bullet time in it. Oh, it's not good. No, it's not good. I mean, the Matrix is. I'm looking forward to when my son is old enough that I can yeah. show him The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so many good movies I want to show him, my son, um, when he's old enough. Yeah. I do worry that they won't appreciate it. Well, they'll probably say, oh, it's a bit lame. 
Oh, the effects are a bit lame. Yeah, old-fashioned films are really boring. And you're just like, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. Yeah. Sorry, I I entirely spoiled this thing about Sixth Sense. I was just going to say, so the plot is, uh, at the beginning of the movie, we see um, uh, the character played by Bruce Willis... um, uh, what happens here? So, a former patient um, shoots Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. and then shoots himself. Uh, we are then led to believe that Bruce Willis has survived this shooting, and goes on to his next project, which is working with um, Haley Joel Osment. However, uh, because Haley Joel Osment can see dead people. We discover later on in the movie that Bruce Willis is, is actually dead. Yeah. So when he was shot... He died. Uh, uh, just as he was shot and he fell over, my wife turned to him and went, oh, I know what happens. And you're like, no! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, the rest of the film continues with it, it seeming like people can see him. I mean, obviously, the, the little boy can see him. Yes. But it seems like other people can see him. But if you watch carefully, they you can't. Yeah. So there's a really he interesting scene. Relate to them. Really interesting scene at the beginning of the film, where he goes to see Haley Joel Osment's character, and his mum is there, and um, his mum is kind of fussing around him, and Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis's Bruce Willis's character is sitting there watching all of this and talking to Haley Joel Osment. Uh, and if you watch it the first time, you don't realise that the mum can't see him. Um, but she appears to be interacting with him. And it's really, really cleverly staged. Mm-hmm. Uh, really effective. Yeah, and the most poignant scene is the anniversary dinner with his wife. Yes, yes. Where she's gone out on her own mm. to have a meal yeah. to to kind of mourn him. Yeah, and he's sitting across from her, and they can't. Yeah, they can't relate to each other. They, you just feel this this separation. It's really tragic and awful, and like it's like a human story of people who who can no longer relate to each other because they can't actually see each other. It turns out he's he's just dead, and none of that was happening. (laughs) It's it's really good. It's actually reminiscent of um, the uh, Nicole Kidman movie, The Others. Yeah. Yeah, where Christopher Eccleston comes back to the house, he's alive, um, and we think that they're interacting with each other, but they're not. So he comes back to yeah. the house what? to this empty can you house. Spoil that for me because I've forgotten the plot. Yeah, oh no, well, we can go into that another time. But okay, um, okay. yeah. So uh, also, um, film producer and director. Uh, David Putnam, I think actually maybe producer David Putnam, made me cry uh, when he accepted his BAFTA fellowship. Um, he quoted from The Sixth Sense, from the end of the movie, um, when... Um, oh, I can't even do it now, it's making me well up. <laughs> People will have to seek out this clip on YouTube of David Putnam <laughs> quoting The Sixth Sense. <laughs> you can't get through it. I That's can't really do it. Dis- no, I can't do it. No. 
<laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry, listener. Normal yeah. service will be resumed. Normal, well, in a moment, yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it had very positive reviews. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 85%, which seems low to me. It, but it is a mainstream film. I can understand. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Not feeling like it's it's kind of for you. You're like the films that you really love are films that you feel like they're just for you and not for anyone else. Yeah, that's true. It is definitely mainstream. Um, I'd say that probably until Split, I think it's Shyamalan's best movie. I like Unbreakable because I feel like it's more for me. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. But I would agree that the majority of the stuff he's produced, after getting me all excited about how he was great, yep. has been then disappointing. Very much disappointing, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that is, that's our three movies. So why does it deserve to be in the top 30 best horror films of the 20th century? Um, I think that it is a really interesting uh, story all about uh, death and uh, moving on, and loss, and love, and, uh, you know, all of the things that a really good ghost story should be about. Um, because, you know, a ghost story, they can be scary, but really, I think the stories about ghosts are tragic. Mm. Because ghosts are, you know, uh, you could say fictional, but you could say are manifestations that people left behind kind of project themselves onto it. You know, hoping that this person is still around. Um, so yeah, it's it's a movie all about loss and mm, being yeah, being unable totally to move agree. on. Yeah, and that what Shyamalan's movies often have is this sense of disconnection yes. between people. Yeah, and and it's very effective in this the the, the sense that that especially that scene with the husband and wife who can't relate. It's to very each other. effective. Yeah. It's really um, feels really real and poignant. So yeah, I think in probably marked contrast to everything else, I'm just looking through the list now. In mark, to everything else that's come before, although the the horror elements of this film are very effective, it is a contemplative um, mainstream piece of work. Uh, and you know, I, it's not one that I could say I wish it had been seen by more people because I think it's been seen by a lot of people multiple times. Mm. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the most commercial offerings on the list, I think. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have considered it for the list actually, because I guess I just think of it as not a genre film, even though I mean I think it is. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, cool. There we go. Those are our three films. That was number thirteen. Yep. Next time, twelve, eleven, ten. Yep. Yeah, actually, yeah, next time, three more crackers. <laughs> Always. They're going to be crackers now. They're all better than Psycho and more entertaining than The Fly. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably not a surprise to say that once we get past number 10, that everything in the list is things that people will definitely have heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be difficult to um, shut us up about each other. I think we think it probably will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, do some plugging. Okay, so I present a, a show, a movie, a radio show, 
on Glastonbury FM 107.1 in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset. It is a movie reviews and music show. Also talk about um, uh, movies that are on at the weekends, what's on at local venues, some DVD picks. I very occasionally have a live guest. So that goes out live between 6 and 7 on a Thursday, um, repeated on Fridays at 2 p.m. Uh, I plug this podcast on that show and this show on this podcast. No, that show on this podcast. That show. (laughs) Whatever. This and that. that Yeah, this and that, that and this. Yeah. You can get it on the internet. You don't have to be in Glastonbury Street or Wells. You can. If you, if you search for Glastonbury FM on the internet, you can listen live. No matter where you are in the world, you can listen live and hear me tell you why you should go and see that movie or why that movie's a stinker. Or you can sign up for the podcast, but you don't get the music. You don't get any music in the podcast, no. Um, And I curate all the music myself. So you're better off listening live. You are definitely better off listening live, yeah. Definitely. Through the website. Glastonbryfm.something. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I can't remember what it is, but uh, if you search for it on on the internet, you'll find it. That is my plugging. Sharpen up your DuckDuckGo skills. You'll find it. Whack, whack, pew. Is that the noise for DuckDuckGo? I don't know. I don't think it should be. Cool. Let's send it to them. We'll send them that audio sample. Send it to them. Oh, I can't wait for the um, the next series, which is going to be... Top 10 Arnie. The Top 10 Arnie film. But can we find 10 great Arnie movies? Shouldn't it be Top <laughs> yeah, 5? I reckon, I reckon when we look, we'll find Okay, 10. 10. All right. I reckon. Yeah. Well, we can change our minds. Yeah, all right. Um... Uh, my plugging, uh, what am I going to plug today? Um, there's a game on the, on the Android store or you can download it for your PC. It's called Rabbit Escape. It's a bit like Lemmings if you used to play Lemmings. Um, it's free or you can pay 60p for it. Uh, it's fun. I don't know why people don't download it. Why are they not, why are they not downloading it? I don't understand. I blame Google, basically. Or possibly because it looks a bit boring. It's not boring. But it's a lot less boring than it looks. Um, also, um, I sort of like films, but what I really like is computers. So mm. if you're interested in stuff about computers, uh, look for my blog or follow me on Twitter. You can find all the links on the About page of The Good Robot Andes. A boot. That's my plugging. A boot page. I guess, I'm, I'm guessing we haven't had any new correspondence. Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I no. think someone said something to me in person, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so now that we've got Event Horizon in the list, I can bet you we probably will get some correspondence. Yeah, send us your torrents of hate um, via a social network. That's a that we good don't name for about. a band. Torrent of torrents hate. Of hate. Surely there's been some of them already. There's got to be. I mean, there's Cradle of Filth, yeah. but Torrents of Hate is a good name for a band. Also, um, if I get round to it, I'll be tweeting out the top 30 one by one. I think I may have only done one. <laughs> I, may have, I may have done two. Um, yeah, so what you should do is like and retweet the films that you really like from that top yeah, 30. Definitely. We'll yeah, definitely. And, and I think one, we'll once we've like done the list, top 10. once we've done the list, we'll have a moratorium episode where um, we should talk yeah. about some notable exceptions. Um, yeah, things that are missing, and also things that should be missing. Where we've got one filmmaker's movie, we should talk about mm. films that didn't make the cut from that filmmaker and why they didn't make the cut. Yes. So, listeners, send us your uh, audio comments, and we'll include them in that show. Um, or send us your textual comments, and we'll also include them 
that we show. We will, yeah. It's going to be good. It is going to be good, yes. I, I'm sensing a lot of venting is going to happen. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine, because it's my list. Yeah, well, so. yeah, I've, uh, yeah it's, it does seem to be your list at this point. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. I think that might be it. That's it. Thank you very much. Cheers. See you next time.